All right, guys, back here on Southeastern 14, our SEC football betting show each and every Thursday here on the channel with Brian Edwards, who uh, joins us as always. And uh, Brian, we're already into week four. I feel like we just started doing this show not long ago, and uh, here we are in, in week four now, and um, we have got some very interesting games. And as we know, always fun to get into these SEC on SEC heavy slates. We got a little bit of a teaser of that last week, but this week, quite a few more games, and so that makes it uh, more exciting. Yeah, no doubt about it, and um, really a, a major opportunity for Ole Miss. I mean, if this is – I mean, the gates are wide open. I, I don't remember the last time the SEC looked so down, um, and, you know, Ole Miss has never made it to Atlanta – uh, I think they did a season opener against Boise State five or six years back, but uh, they have not made it that first Saturday uh, in December. And there's a golden opportunity uh, for that um, right now. I mean, obviously, LSU will have a lot to say about that as, as well, but uh, this is certainly their best chance to beat um, Alabama since, since you freeze left. And, uh, I, you know, I wish for Ole Miss' sake that, you know, these three skill players that are really, 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 really good, I don't know that I, – I don't know how healthy they are, and I don't know – I feel like pre-scoring's got a good chance of playing, and I think Zachary Franklin might play. I, I don't think Trey Harris is going to play. But who knows? Maybe there's not a whole lot of information out there that makes you really confident in anything about all three of them. So uh, – we shall see. But, uh, you know, not not just that game, though. Uh, you know, Kentucky in revenge mode uh, after losing to Vandy uh, last year. We got uh, Mississippi State and South Carolina both in bounce back mode uh, and then Auburn and A&M. Uh, so, yeah, we got some good, good ones this weekend. And just nationally, we've got it's a great slate. Um, in fact, I saw I don't know if you saw that tweet from uh, the bear, Chris Felica, that we have not had this many. I think there's six top 25 matchups and we haven't had as many uh top 25 matchups in a september weekend since i think he said 2006 so good card yeah good card for sure and since you set it up on a tee we're just going to start with the one everyone has discussed and that is uh, Ole miss plus seven at alabama in this game, uh, I've seen this line start to dip a little bit. There's some places now where it's six and a half, and I can't say I'm shocked by that um, because I do feel like this is the one where everybody here, Brian, is uh, maybe not everybody, but there is a lot of momentum in saying if Lane Kiffin's going to do this, it has to be now because this is the time to capitalize on an Alabama team that just came off of scoring 17 points. at South Florida um, has played three quarterbacks at this point. They turned back to Jalen Milrow this week to see if they can find something offensively. The defense is still in Alabama. I think, you know, defense, there's a lot to like there. But as you said, Ole Miss's health is perhaps the biggest key here because if they have a lot of their skill guys out there, which Harris may not be one of them, but, you know, you look back at last year, Judkins ran all over them a season ago. What was it? I think he had 23 carries, 135, and a couple touchdowns, something like that last year. Um, I just – I can't imagine there's a better setup here for Ole Miss, but I think we probably said that before. Uh, although sure. this feels different because of Alabama's offense or lack thereof. And so a lot of people riding Ole Miss plus seven. I will tell you that I'm one of them. Um, I'm not a you know 20-plus year veteran like you, but I just I, everything I look at in this thing, I 
I just see everything turning up Ole Miss, and this feels like if you're getting Ole Miss with a touchdown, that's a lot for an Alabama team that sometimes I feel like you wonder, can they score a touchdown offensively? So, Yeah, Blake, we're on the same page here. I've, I've liked Ole Miss uh, all week. Uh, I made Alabama a three-and-a-half-point favorite uh, in this game and felt like I was kind of being generous to Bama and it felt like I had to <laughs> – put a half on there out of respect for Nick Saban, you know, um, when I just think that, you know, if Ole Miss was at home, I, you know, they'd be favored. Um, I don't think there's any doubt about that, but um, so right now, most books are at six and a half or seven, most books uh, 55 or 55 and a half. Uh, if you like Ole Miss uh, on the money line, uh, which I'm, you know, not against certainly uh, if, if we get pre-scoring or if we get two of those three injured players, uh, in uniform, I, I would not be against a little bit uh, on the money line. Um, and I will, I, I decided to pull the trigger on Ole Miss plus seven today. I've been, you know, kind of waiting all week wanting to get more injury info. But as a good bit of books started to move to six and a half, I'm like, okay, if I want, I want seven, I better go ahead yeah. and lock it in. And so um, I did. I, I, I'm not against the over, but uh, I, I, I think I'm just going to, Go with Ole Miss. I may throw in a uh, maybe just for giggles and over um, Ole Miss maybe parlay or a reverse or something just for fun. But um, Ole Miss plus seven is the play. One more thing on this one. Um, it was last week that we talked about Tennessee had the dreaded players only meeting, which is always a red flag and a clear indicator of chemistry issues and just struggles in general. And it was Alabama that had the players only meeting after the USF game. And there's, uh, I, I think there's chemistry issues uh, with Alabama and, um, I just think they got a lot of issues. I mean, that offense was just a disaster um, last week. And look, defensively, no, they were fine last week defensively. But even when, you know, like Texas in the fourth quarter, you know, you're down 10, you're just dying to get a stop. And they just couldn't get off the field. They could yeah. not stop Texas. So um, I still think Alabama's got a, a, a good defense, maybe even one that will be really good eventually but um i think Ole miss has got an, an outstanding offense even if all three of these guys pre-score and harris and, and franklin don't play Ole miss still has enough weapons you know to move the ball and win this game and, and jackson dart has been excellent uh this year um just a couple other nuggets uh i will throw out Ole miss has only been a road underdog uh under kiffin uh five times and they are two and three against the spread and for those Bama fans that like to listen to our show that that are sensing a, a major bounce back and think that the tide is going to right the ship and uh, it's all much ado about nothing all the criticism etc well you've got an adjusted season win total at DraftKings that if you like Alabama to go no worse than nine and three the win total is eight and a half if you want the over, you got to pay a minus 135 price. So if you want to win 100, risk 135. And for those that think they're going to win eight or fewer, you could risk 100 and win 110. And that was DraftKings had a lot of adjusted season win totals, but Alabama was the only SEC team they had it for. So I am on Ole Miss plus seven, and I lean 
to the over, especially if two of those three injured Ole Miss players end up in uniform. But I, I'm not going to call that an uh, official play, if you will. Just Ole Miss plus seven. All right, on to the next one here. As uh, Kentucky and Vanderbilt meet, you mentioned uh, a minute ago, revenge on the mind of the Wildcats, who um, did not fare well, as we know, last year against Vanderbilt in terms of uh, everything that, that unfolded with that one. And um, this is one where I know, instead of just kind of looking at the spread on this one, looking at the actual um, over-under on this one, definitely enticing uh, when you consider um, potential here, I think, for scoring. We saw the Vanderbilt-UNLV game last week, just unbelievable um, kind of turn of events there where Vanderbilt gives up, what, 30 unanswered points, I think, in that game. And um, just should not happen. Uh, that's really the best way to put it. And so um, now you look at this game and sort of the way it sets up. Um, I, I think I know you're going to go over under here, but I will say there was one stat that I saw and I thought this was just a very fascinating stat. I think it was the Action Network that had this stat. Um, Kentucky is, what is it, 13 and a half or 14, I think, now uh, on the spread. I want to say it's still 13 and a half, maybe. 13 and a half at most spots. So um, very interesting stat here that Mark Stoops, uh, it's, yeah, it is from the Action Network, closes a 14-plus point favorite in SEC play four times. Each of those have come against Vanderbilt and failed to cover in all four of those games by over 11 points per game. So Vanderbilt has actually played Kentucky very well, all things considered, of course, getting the win last year. So Kentucky 0-4 in those kind of instances where they are um, basically two touchdown favorites against Vanderbilt. Of course, they were 17-point favorites last year in that game. Um, and so I thought that was kind of a very interesting stat heading into this game, but I know the shootout uh, is what you kind of look at here with the points. Yeah, and and I'll just but I'll add a little bit to those, you know, just um, the side, the head to head. Um, Vandy is seven and three against the spread the last ten times these teams have met, and um, they have won outright uh, three times as they end a six-year uh, losing streak to Kentucky with that win last year as a seventeen-point road underdog. So Clark Lee has been a home underdog ten times. Uh, as he's now in his third year at Vandy, the Commodores are only three and seven against the spread as a home underdog. Um, now, Mark Stoops has uh, been at Kentucky. This is year number 11. He's only been a road favorite seven times and mm. three and four against the spread in those games. So, um, like we noted, Kentucky is 13 and a half the total. Uh, 50 or 50 and one half at most books. Vandy on the money line is anywhere from plus 390 to plus 430. But um, as you mentioned, I am looking at uh, the total and I like the over. Uh, I got over uh, 49 and a half early in the week, but I, I like it at 50 or 50 and one half. I would say I'd probably like it all the way to, to 52, but Go ahead and get it now if you can get it to 50 or 50 <laughs> yeah. and one half. Uh, so, so just some reasoning on that. So Vandy's four combined scores this year have been 77, 56, 60, and 63. So all four of those, um, you know, well over uh, this total. Now, I know Kentucky's had more uh, low-scoring games, but Kentucky, albeit against cupcake competition, they are averaging 35.7 points per game. Um, Vandy, uh, this is will be the best defense that Vandy 
has faced. But I, I still think Vandy's offense is good, and I think they will have success. A.J. Swan now 21-6 to career TDINT ratio. Will Shepard, one of the best receivers in the league. Uh, Jaden McGowan. Uh, probably one of the better true sophomore receivers in the league. And then London Humphreys, man, this guy's averaging like he's a true freshman. He's averaging nearly 30 yards a catch. He's got nine receptions, 266 yards and three touchdowns. So uh, Vandy is right now ranked 28th in the nation in passing yards, 44th in scoring. They're averaging 34.8 points per game. And then on the defensive side of the ball, uh, they're giving up 29 Point three points per game. So I think this game uh, will get into the 50s, probably into the mid, mid and upper 50s, um, especially if Vandy, you know, can put up a, um, you know, 21, 24-ish, somewhere in that range. I, and I don't know that they will get that high, but I certainly think Kentucky uh, is going to get well into the 30s, and, and I like the over. All right, this next game here, a uh, game you're betting, uh, South Carolina-Mississippi State, an interesting one here on the slate, of course. Uh, Mississippi State trying to bounce back from just getting uh, trounced by LSU last week. Uh, dominant performance uh, for the Tigers, which everyone was kind of looking for from them. And meanwhile, South Carolina goes and kind of shocks the world early in terms of the way they started the game against Georgia. Georgia rallies, um, but I think if you're South Carolina, still have to feel pretty good about how you come out of that. Um, just certainly showed some things, of course, injury-wise. I don't know how good you feel about things, um, given a significant injury there, which I know we will discuss. But um, South Carolina in this one, uh, six-and-a-half-point favorite in this game at home. And, Brian, I know you're going towards South Carolina on this one. And, boy, I I think for Mississippi State, I had a little bit of um, – a little extra something maybe just coming out of the Arizona game. They managed to win it. I'm like, maybe they can build off of this. But after that performance against LSU and now to kind of see the way South Carolina played last week against Georgia, um, even with some injuries, we know to Juice Wells, still think this is uh, a pretty good spot too for the Gamecocks. Yeah. Um, any like thought process that maybe there's a little bit of letdown for South Carolina because they were obviously sky high uh, for that Georgia game. I think that's completely alleviated by the fact not only are they at home, but they're at home at night and and they've got a great fan base. The crowd will be rocking and rolling and, and they're one and two, you know, they're starving for a W. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to go South Carolina uh, minus six and a half. So they've been excellent at home since Shane Beamer took over 11 and four straight up, 10 and five against the spread. Eight of their 11 home wins under Beamer have been by margins of nine points or more. They have been home favorites eight times on Shane Beamer's watch, and they are six and two uh, against the spread in those games. Mississippi State, I, you know, I think. I think I mentioned it coming out, you know, in the summer that I, you know, I wish that that Arnett would have retained more of, I mean, I know Mike Leach is not there to call the plays, but I wish he would have retained more offensive assistance. And at least in year one with Will Rogers still there, not drifted too far away from the air raid principles because he had that system mastered and, and they, you know, they're not running anything anywhere near that. And I'm not saying that's, not potentially good for the running game, but I, I just, I, I mean, obviously we saw their offensive struggles uh, last week and we're going to watch teams score a lot of points on Arizona uh, this year. And, and, you know, Arizona flew all the way across the country and, you know, you 
you know, I had to struggle to get that dub in overtime. So I'm just down on Mississippi State right now. And Shane, or I'm sorry, it's Mr. Rattler is playing as good as any QB out there. And his stats last week against Georgia did not do him justice. He was spectacular in that game. Uh, Not only his reads, his throws, but his scrambling, his buying time in the pocket, not only when he did scramble, but I mean, I feel like he scrambled for like three first downs on third and long. Uh, I mean, he just kept them in that game. And who knows if Juice Wells is healthy, um, because he looked healthy that first drive, and he was a major factor. Who you know? Who knows um, how that game goes? But um, in South Carolina, it, I, I made the number eight, um, and so at less than seven, I, I'm all about the Gamecocks. Gamecocks seem like they are in a good spot here. I think for this one. All right, we're going to talk about a couple other SEC games here, um, Brian. Not maybe specific plays on these just yet, but we will talk about them. Um, and let's start with Arkansas LSU. This is one that again, uh, you talk about a disappointment. Uh, Arkansas fans are um, not feeling great about kind of where they're at coming off that loss to BYU. Not happy with Sam Pittman, the way that game sort of um, ended there. And I think there is certainly a level of frustration, which I mean, to, to cut him some slack, probably too, not having Rocket Sanders has certainly made a difference, I think, and will make a difference in a game like this, um, for sure, because this is a big challenge going up against this LSU team, as we said. They bounced back in a huge way last or last week, 41-14 at Mississippi State. Looked really good. Malik Neighbors, just a ridiculous stat line uh, last week against Mississippi State. So, I guess, Brian, this is an interesting setup. You never know, as we kind of talked about in our daily show. Um, you never know about these rivalry games like this. Uh, you can get some weird results. This one was much lower scoring last year than I think that we expected. I think it was, what, 13 to 10 or something last yes. year. Um, I feel like this goes in the opposite direction this year. I just, I know Arkansas's defense can be aggressive. And, but man, I, I, I think this is one where I feel like the Hogs have a hard time keeping up with LSU here on the road in this one. Yeah, so right now most books have LSU favored by 17.5 or 18, Mm. the total at uh, 54.5 or 55. And if you like the Hogs to pull the upset and win outright, they're plus 600 or 6 to 1 on the money line. So uh, under Sam Pittman, the Razorbacks have been road underdogs nine times. They are six and three against the spread. They've been double digit underdogs nine times. They are five and four against the spread and totally as an underdog, including the games, you know, in Arlington against A&M and and bowl games uh, or or and or home away uh, 20 times under Pittman. They've been an underdog. They're 13, six and one. Uh, against the spread in those games. Now, under Brian uh, Kelly, LSU is a five and one against the spread as a home favorite. Now, at home, whether they're favored or underdog, under Kelly, they are seven and one, both straight up and against the spread. And as a double digit favorite under Kelly, they are five and one uh, against the spread. Um, in the last seven head-to-head meetings, LSU has won six, uh, but they're only three, three, and one against the spread. And the last three head-to-head meetings have all been decided by exactly three points, so nine combined. And four of the last head-to-head meetings have been com- uh, decided by seven points 
or fewer. And one last betting nugget on this one. The under has cashed at a seven and two clip in the last nine head to head meetings. Um, so rocket Sanders, um, it, you know, we don't know. I, I mean, I, if he does play, I don't think he's going to be a hundred percent. And I, it's just such a, a huge thing for them because he is debatably for sure. Uh, you know, the best running back in the country. I mean, he's one of the top three, in my opinion, easily. So, and they haven't had him now uh, for several weeks. And so that's huge. And here, as we sit on Thursday, we don't know if they're going to have him. Um, So right now this game is a pass for me, but like you said, uh, with last year's game, so KJ didn't play in that game and that, and Arkansas's defense was awful last year and LSU was rolling when they came in there and it was a 13 to 10 game. It was Arkansas's best effort of the year. And so Arkansas and this just, they just usually play LSU tough. So if I were to see, you know, a half hour before kickoff rocket Sanders in uniform, and he looks like he's moving around pretty good. Maybe I'd be tempted to maybe get a little bit of Arkansas. uh, If they're catching, you know, at least 17 and a half or 18. Um, but there would still be questions of how long he could last, you know, how healthy will he be, et cetera. So right now it's, this is probably going to be a pass uh, for me. I'll, I'll also just note that uh, Greg Brooks, the safety and former Razorback uh, is out and had emergency brain surgery, he had a brain tumor. So yeah. uh, real serious stuff and uh, thoughts with him and his uh, family. Absolutely. Um, all right, on to the next game here. Here's one that I will tell you, if you're talking about the game maybe I'm most intrigued by from a betting standpoint this week, and I, I think I hesitate, and now I, I feel like I shouldn't have hesitated because this line has gone up since yesterday by, I think, a full point now, and that is Auburn and Texas A&M. Um, this is one where, I mean, I think regular people who watch our stuff, Brian, will tell you, and I've brought this up a couple times this week, I'm not, I'm not knocking Auburn. I just don't know what I'm supposed to make of Auburn just yet. I mean, they've beaten UMass, Cal, and Sanford. And I don't, now that I look at it, I don't think Cal's very good. They were down 17 nothing to Idaho last week and came back and won that game, I know. But um, that's not a very good Cal team. And so I look at Auburn and I, I see some of the good, but I also see the fact that I think the passing game is still you know, a work in progress, to probably put it lightly. And meanwhile, I don't think that's the case for Texas A&M. I think A&M is a machine on offense. Um, defensively, yes, you've got some questions still, I think, when you look at them. Certainly the Miami game, a lot of pessimism coming out of that game, probably just the way they tackle and all that. But I don't think this Auburn offense is Miami's offense. Um, and this is one where I, I feel like I should have took advantage of this one when it was at seven and a half, but now I'm seeing it like up to eight and a half um, in a couple of different spots. And I feel like it's only going to go up. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but curious your, your thoughts on this game, because I, I tend to look at this. If you're asking me like, Hey, what do I think is the most likely scenario? I think A&M winning this thing by double digits. And remember too, this is coming off the heels of this game last season where Auburn won this game. And you would have thought it was just, you know, this was the SEC championship last year for Auburn, right? With the way the program had been going and, you know, Cadillac and, and everything. Like, I remember that visual very well. And I, my guess is so does Texas A&M. Um, and I think this is just a much different A&M team. Yeah. And um, 
so like you were talking about with Cal, I mean, Cal missed three field goals in that game against Auburn. I mean, Cal did everything to not win that game against Auburn. And like you said, you know, Sanford and UMass. Um, and look, you know, Miami's looked pretty good so far this year. So we may be a month from now looking at A&M and, and saying, you know, that loss at A&M, or I'm sorry, that loss at Miami, you know, but that it's aged pretty well. I mean, we'll see. I don't, I don't know. But so far, uh, Van Dyke has looked good for the Canes. And uh, again, like who Auburn has played just does not uh, look that that good. And Keontae Scott, uh, an important Auburn uh, defensive back, had uh, 53 tackles, uh, four tackles for loss, uh, three passes broken up, uh, an interception, a sack last year. Uh, he's going to be out for a considerable amount of time, had surgery on his right. I don't know if it was his foot or his ankle. Um, and they're they're hoping uh, they can get Nehemiah Pritchett uh, back uh, in the lineup. Um, you know, he's done some practicing uh, this week and Donovan Kaufman. Uh, I don't know that either have been upgraded to probable, but uh, I think there's a chance they play. But we're, we're kind of unsure on that. Um, you know, I. Auburn, I, I I agree with everything that you're saying, and uh, I definitely think A&M wins. And if I had to pick it, and I do in my contest, I'm going to pick A&M. But I, I couldn't quite get there to pull the trigger uh, on a play um, just because I don't, I don't know. I just don't want to lay more than a, a touchdown with A&M right now. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I agree with all your sentiments, and I lean Aggies, but it's not an official play, if you will. I I may have gotten in on this at seven and a half, eight and a half. I I don't know. It's starting to go even a little higher, even though I think AM is the better team and may prove that in a convincing way. But we'll see. See what happens. Um, all right, let's talk about uh, a couple of these other games that are outside of SEC on SEC play. Um, as Missouri Memphis is an interesting one because I know mentioned uh, Memphis was a bad was, was that last week or the week before um, against Navy and of course Navy kept that one close in that game um, but the big talk of course is Missouri coming out of the win against Kansas State and what that can maybe do for this program but something else we talked about this week is one thing to beat Kansas State another thing to turn around and lose to Memphis and what that could do for halting momentum for this team, but this is a very, I mean, this is a pretty low line here uh, in terms of where this is at. And I think as we also talked about on our daily show, this is one where I can understand if Missouri fans are a little nervous heading into this game. This line's only six, six and a half. Some plays, I think a DraftKings now it's going to five and a half uh, on this one. And so Memphis, not a bad football team. This game is in St. Louis. Um, you know, Brady cook's availability is obviously the big question here. And if he does play, how effective is he? Oh, this is one of those games. I think if, again, if I was a Missouri fan that would just make me coming off of last week, I would just be stomach in knots like, oh boy, this feels like yeah, this could go either way. And hopefully it doesn't go the wrong way. Yeah. Ma major flat slash letdown scenario here. I mean, they got embarrassed by K-State 40 to 12 last week. And uh, they get revenge, and I mean, you can't win it in a more exciting uh, no. fashion than a 61-yard walk-off after an inexplicable five-yard delay game. <laughs> I mean, what's going on? But it, yeah, so Missouri fans, they they quickly 
uh, forgot Harrison Mevis's uh, miss of that chip shot at Auburn uh, to win it at the end of regulation. They they got over that quick last Saturday. Uh, that's a monster win for Drinkwitz, and uh, especially after getting that five yard penalty. But um, yeah, man, we don't know if Brady Cook's gonna play. I, I know Drinkwitz has said that Sam Horn uh, will get his first career start if. Uh, Cook is not going to be able to play. And uh, now I bet Memphis last week against Navy, so I'm kind of down on this team. They never even threatened to cover uh, that double-digit number uh, either last Thursday or Friday. Um, But, um, yeah, but just because it's a terrible spot for Missouri and we don't know about Brady Cook, uh, but but at the same time, I'm not very high on Memphis right now, but this is just a – a hard pass for me. I don't, I don't want anything uh, to do with this one at all. Yeah, I'm with you. I think this is a game I would stay far away from. And I hope for my fans of Missouri, I hope they, they get a win here and move on to the next one, which could feel similar when they go to Vanderbilt uh, next week. Could be kind of the same setup because everyone's looking ahead to that LSU game right now and saying, oh boy, 5-0, and 5-0, and 5-0. Oh, you got to win these next two to get there. Um all right. Let's not forget they only beat Middle Tennessee by four right. at home so as well. Yeah. So there is that too. You don't become a juggernaut just by winning one game. Um, no. So yes, that is certainly the case. Um, UTSA's at Tennessee. Of course, this is all going to be about how the balls bounce back. Um, I mean, to me, Brian, this is does Frank Harris play? Does he not play? Right. Turf toe injury. Those kind of things are just that's a that's a nagging thing. That's um, if he doesn't play, if he does play, I can't imagine he's a hundred percent. Um, and to me, this just seems like one of those UTSA lost to army last week. I don't know the exact numbers. I was looking those up, uh, in terms of how many rushing yards they gave up, but we know how army likes to play. And, um, I just feel like Tennessee's running attack, even if Joe Milton's not perfect here, Tennessee should be able to run the ball and something else. I, I did bring up Brian. I don't have the exact numbers in front of me. We talked about it on our daily show this week, but, um, Josh Heupel after a loss um, is pretty, has been pretty remarkable. I think Tennessee averages like 52 or 50 points, 54 points per game after a loss. Thus far, they lost, I think, eight games his first two seasons combined. One of those was the bowl loss to produce. So if you don't count that one, they also lost to Alabama and back to back losses to Ole Miss and Alabama. But the other games, like they have just blown teams out. And I know the opponents have been like Tennessee Tech, Missouri a couple times. Vanderbilt, I think, was one of those opponents. Um, but yeah, like they've average margin of victory has been ridiculous. They've scored like 50 plus points per game after a loss. UTSA, pretty good football team, um, all things considered. But without Frank Harris, I just, I would have to believe this is a huge bounce back spot for Tennessee. Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree with, with any of that. But, it's not just Frank Harris. I mean, I mean, I mean, obviously they lost to Corey Franklin to Ole Miss, but DeCorian Clark, um, yeah. who had 51 catches, 741 yards, eight touchdowns. I, I think he did briefly play last week. I think he had more like one catch for five yards, uh, but he, you know, clearly has not been a hundred percent all season long. And Harris is not a hundred percent if he plays and you know, they lose outright uh, to army without Harris last week. And with Clark again, not having a whole lot of uh, impact. And they also lost one of their linebackers to a season ending injury last week. So, um, you know, 
it's just not setting up real good uh, for UTSA. But at the same time, I don't want to lay a a big number right now uh, with Tennessee because their, you know, last two performances just haven't been uh, very good. And and again, like without knowing if Harris is playing and how healthy he's going to be, it's just impossible to handicap this one, in in my opinion. So, um, yeah, another uh, another pass for me. All right, Charlotte of Florida, speaking of the team that Tennessee lost to, of course, the Gators, um, very impressive last week in terms of what they've done or what they did last week against the balls. Um, and now they get a Charlotte team that's, eh, you know, uh, they you know, they lost at Maryland. Maybe it wasn't by a ton, but um, this is a game Florida should win. They're basically, what, a four-touchdown favorite, I think. I saw 27.5-28 in most places, I feel like. Um, and I know you're going to bring up, I feel like the – the thought going into the season was how good Billy Napier had been as an underdog. Uh, but this time moving into the favorite role, a little bit different perhaps when you get into that role in terms of against the spread. Absolutely. So I think it's Charlotte or pass. I'm warning <laughs> everybody do not lay that big chalk number uh, with the Gators. And here's a few reasons why uh, since Napier got to Florida, uh, he's been favored eight times, uh, two and six against the spread, uh, three outright losses. Uh, as a favorite at uh, with the Raging Cajuns in 2021, he was three and six against the spread in nine uh, favorite roles. Uh, ditto in 2020, he was three and six as a favorite. So uh, in the last uh, three seasons and counting the non-cover against McNeese State, uh, Billy Napier teams are eight and 18 against the spread last 26 as a favorite, but there's not just that we've got Eugene Wilson, uh, who had like six catches in the first quarter. Maybe, maybe he didn't get hurt till early second quarter. Uh, he's got the collarbone injury. He is out. And now Kingsley, he, do you remember the pronunciation? Egwukan, thank you, sir. Egwukan, <laughs> he is out again, re-aggravated that ankle. And then uh, two starters on the O-line, uh, Mazuka. Uh, I can't help you with that one. Yeah, to transfer from Baylor, who starts at offensive guard, he's out for the first half for throwing a punch Then those shenanigans late in the Tennessee game, as is the starting offensive tackle, Damian George. So in the first half, the Gators are going to be down three starting offensive lineman, uh, one of their best receivers, and uh, now two of the starting linemen will be back in the second half. But I would just warn people not to lay the points with Florida. I'm not saying to take Charlotte. I'm not betting on Charlotte, but I think it's a Charlotte or or pass. All right. Now we mentioned our notes. We don't have anything on Georgia UAB. That's one that we're just going to kind of skip over. Um just not a lot there. Georgia's a, I think it's up to 42, 42 and a half now or something like that. So um, the dogs perhaps also a little angry this week after their performance in South Carolina. But if you're still winning by double digits in the SEC, you'll take that. But on to uh, the wrap up portion here. Actually, before we do that, Brian, we had mentioned before looking at some of the SEC Heisman. Um, you can't call them front runners. Uh, you certainly can't call them that because there's not any front runners. Uh, which going into the season, we kept talking about, man, look at all these potential guys you could have as front runners for the Heisman. As you've looked at the updated numbers, um, sad to say that not a lot of those front runners sitting there for SEC players right now. 
Not at all. In fact, uh, the only uh, SEC player, like, you know, within the mix whatsoever is uh, LSU quarterback Jaden Daniels off that huge performance uh, in Starkville. FanDuel has him with 25 to 1 odds. Those are tied for the seventh uh, shortest odds. But beyond Jaden Daniels, you got to go all the way down to the guy with the 17th shortest odds at 60 to 1. And that would be, Con- I'm sorry, uh, Georgia quarterback Carson Beck. So if you think the SEC is, has been down this year, it, it has been, period, end of story. But just go look at the Heisman odds, and you've only got two uh, of the top 17 players in Heisman contention, odds-wise, are from the SEC. I, I, I would think that going into week four, we could probably go back two decades and have – at least four to five in the top 17, I would guess, but um, I don't know that for sure. But that's just a, an example um, of SEC struggles so far this season. True. Yeah, it's um, it's been an interesting start, to say the least. So we'll see which of these teams really separate themselves here as we go throughout SEC play. All right, we wrap up here, as always, with Brian's uh, bets for games outside the SEC and I know, Brian, as usual, uh, Colorado has been a main talking point throughout this entire season, and what a wild game they had last week. And even more than a wild game, the wild numbers that that game pulled in for ESPN. When that game did not finish until, what, like 2.30 in the morning or something, Eastern time, and yet the numbers were still through the roof for that Colorado-Colorado uh, State game. But uh, I know they're in the mix this week. as 21-point underdogs at Oregon. Um, you've also got... Uh, some thoughts on Eastern Michigan, uh, Jacksonville State as well, and then we can touch on there were a couple other games you mentioned after that. Yes, yeah, so um, I'm going to go with Colorado plus the 21. Uh, we all know there's not going to be any uh, Travis Hunter. Uh, probably going to miss the next uh, three games, but I, I'm confident in Shadur uh, Sanders. I'm confident in his group of wide receivers, even without Hunter. I mean, Jimmy Horn Jr., uh, Xavier Weaver are having outstanding seasons. They're going to get Alton McCaskill, the transfer running back from uh, Houston, who, uh, you know, coming out of the spring they, they had him number one on the depth yeah. chart but i i like all the running backs I, dylan edwards the freshman but i mean all these running backs that they've uh used and they were starting to get the tight end involved uh last week had a touchdown catch and i believe he uh, had a two point a critical two point conversion as well um so i'm not worried about colorado's offense shadur sanders um right there with spencer rattler i don't think anybody's playing better quarterback than those guys. Uh, and I think Shador Sanders, I mean, he just puts it right between the numbers on nearly every single uh, throw. So I'm not worried about Colorado's offense. Am I worried about Colorado's defense? Yeah, I am. But, um, you know, even if Oregon has a great offensive performance, even if they score 50, let's say they score 52, that only leaves uh, – uh, Colorado's offense needing us to get to 32 and I'm not like mailing it in that Oregon's going to score at least 52. Um, I don't really care about Oregon's result against Hawaii where they held the uh, rainbow warriors to 10 points or to the FCS opener Portland state. They held them to seven points and I know they scored 55 against Hawaii and 
they have 81 against Portland State, something like that. It was crazy. But those performances, I kind of throw out. The performance that, you know, we saw against a respectable foe was them trailing a lot of that game. And Texas Tech, um, they still scored 30 points. And Texas Tech had four interceptions, uh, or I'm sorry, four turnovers, three interceptions. Um, Shuck threw three picks. Uh, Sanders is not throwing three picks. I guarantee you that. And uh, Texas Tech, even with those four turnovers, um, they still uh, had 174 rushing yards, 282 passing yards. They had 27 first downs. And I think Colorado's got a better quarterback and a better offense than Texas Tech. So uh, to take Colorado plus 21, I'm all about it. I'm also hopeful they're going to get Miles Slusher, the former Arkansas safety who had uh, six tackles in the opener against TCU and the game ceiling tackle on fourth down. I'm hoping he's going to be back. I can't say that that's for sure. He's questionable, uh, but he has missed the last two games, and I'm hoping he's going to be back. But, uh, again, to me, this is just about Colorado's offense. If Texas Tech can score on them, Colorado's going to score on Oregon. And um, I'm not again, I'm not like sitting here calling for the outright upset, but um, <laughs> if somebody wants to put a little $20 bill, why not? Plus 800 money line odds. Uh, why not? Um, why not? Why not? Because look, if, if it's close game, late third, early fourth, the live line is probably going to be, you know, Oregon only minus like 200 or minus 250 on the yeah. money line. And you can hedge it and, take Oregon minus 200 money line and uh, you know, you could profit either way. So I'm not against the plus 800 money line, but the, the main play for money management, uh, Colorado plus 21. All right. And then Eastern Michigan, Jacksonville States. I know another one we've Eastern Michigan seems to be a popular play here uh, this season. I think, what was it? Minnesota. Was that the, that's the other one we talked about a couple weeks ago, but Eastern Michigan back on the board here this week, Jacksonville state. Yeah, this is automatic play for me. Uh, Chris Creighton and the Eastern Michigan Eagles, their last 50 is an underdog. They're 38-11-1 against the spread. They're either plus six or plus six and a half against Rich Rod at Jacksonville State. And I am on Eastern Michigan. If your number is six and a half, I'd buy the half point to seven. If your number is six, don't sweat it. I still think we got a good good chance uh, to cash because they – cash very consistently as underdogs all right and then uh, a couple others i said you, you know you said you wanted to hit on ucla's at utah and uh, ucf at kansas state although injuries play a, a factor in those particular games yeah so if cam rising and or brant keithe the tight end if they get upgraded uh i am probably going to be on Utah, uh, they have won 16 in a row at home, and the last six head-to-head with UCLA, they are 5-1 and one, both straight up and against the spread, and the only loss was last year. They lose 42-32 to 32 at UCLA, so there are, they are in revenge mode, and also Utah, last 12 at home, 9-3 and three against the spread. Uh, Whittingham said early in the week they're going to announce today whether Rising's playing or not. But obviously, I'm, we've been doing the show for a while. I don't know if that announcement is out. But I, I am potentially going to play 
uh, Utah. Another game that I was looking at was K State. Uh, K State seven and one against the spread. Last eight as a home favorite. They host UCF. So um, we saw Kleiman say Will Howard was questionable. I forget if it was yesterday or the day before. I want to say it was yesterday. But anyhow, uh, th- so when that happened, the line moved from six and a half down to four and a half or five. Uh, last night, I was doing a, a show on VEASAN, and Matt, Matt Humans, the host, told me a K-State source told him that Howard is not going to play, and and it was four and a half, five. When he said that, I woke up this morning, it was three and a half or four, so I'm starting to think Howard's probably not going to play. I was going to take K-State, so uh, I, I'm, I'm less enthusiastic about it, but the prize of their recruiting class, Avery Johnson, was in for the spring, enrolled early. He's gotten a little playing time, even got in for Missouri, Missouri uh, game briefly. He looks like a good runner. And, and, but let's remember, John Rice Plumley's out for UCF as well. I don't yeah. think a lot of Timmy McLean. So I lean K-State, but I'm not like going to sit here and, and rant about it that our listeners need to tail me on this one. Uh, without Will Howard, it, it, it'll be a freshman starting. So we'll see. And then before we wrap up, um, there are some lines for next week. If uh, Oh, yeah. If I want, forgot about the look-ahead yeah, lines. Yes. If you wanted me to throw those out. Um, All right. So the ones I have on what you sent me, Kentucky minus three and a half against Florida, um, Georgia minus 13 at Auburn, LSU minus three at Ole Miss. That's an interesting one. Texas A&M minus seven against Arkansas, and then Alabama minus 11 and a half at Mississippi State. Yeah, so we can compare uh, these lines to what they were in the games of the year back in August just to see how, you know, the odds makers have adjusted uh, each team. So um, Alabama, there actually was not a line uh, for the game uh, at Mississippi State. So the game LSU at Ole Miss that is now three, it was four and a half uh, back in the summer. Uh, In the summer, Texas A&M was minus three to Arkansas. And so that's when seven now, right? I'm not looking at it. Didn't, didn't end that what you said? Yeah. I, I think, yeah, I think yeah, seven. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, um, and then also Auburn and Georgia, Georgia was 18 and a half. Now they are 13 and yeah. Um, and does that, oh, oh, the Florida line was, um, Oh gosh, I don't have it written down in my Phil Steele mag. I thought, oh yeah, yeah, uh, no, maybe <laughs> not. All right, just a couple of nuggets on those. Um, for um, let's see, for the Florida, uh, Kentucky. So Mark Stoops uh, as a home favorite, fifteen and nine against the spread uh, since the start of two thousand. Uh, 19 Napier as an underdog now 18 6 and 1 against the spread with 11 outright uh wins. So there you go. There's some so we'll see how the lines change based on injuries and this weekend's results and we can kind of you know revert back in next week's <laughs> conversation to what what they were last Thursday or Friday. Yep. You're feeling confident about a certain team. You better get those now cuz we know there will be some right. changes uh, after yes. what happens this weekend. So there are your look ahead lines uh, looking ahead to week five. But as always, Brian, lots of great stuff here on uh, this edition of the, the SEC football betting show here on Southeastern 14. And anything you want to plug, Brian, before we wrap up? 
Oh, just um, you can find my content at uh, majorwager.com uh, and obviously Twitter at Vegas B. Edwards. Any of our listeners, feel free to hit me up if you got any questions about any um, other games or even like live lines during the action on Saturday. I'm pretty much on Twitter 24-7 on Saturdays, so I'll probably get it. And if I get a chance, I can reply. But other than that, enjoyed it, Blake. And uh, mm-hmm. Best of luck to all of us with our uh, bets. Lots of good ball games this week. Yep, should be a lot of fun. And before we we hop off, we've got to give a shout out to one of our new sponsors here. And it's fitting that Brian is involved in this because Brian is a chomps man, right? Like, it's <laughs> all about the chomps, uh, the Florida Gator chomp, of course. But our friends at chomps who have uh, sent us a lot of tasty snacks here. Uh, Chris and I have been enjoying those so far. But as you always, guys, uh, you've seen us advertise chomps. Check out that link in the description below. Uh, 15% off your order. SE14 is the code on that. So we appreciate our friends at Chomps for uh, being a new sponsor here at Southeastern 14. And as always, we're looking for more sponsors. If you are someone who wants to sponsor this show, the SEC football betting show we do with Brian Edwards, um, you can reach out to caroline.smith at southeastern14.com. Always looking for additional uh, advertising opportunities. And we appreciate your support of our channel but again thanks to brian for joining me as always appreciate you guys watching hit that subscribe button hit the like button and we will talk to you again here soon at southeastern 14.